See you kids. Have fun. You know, it's exciting because our kids are going to be taking over the service <laughs> uh, next Sunday. Next Sunday they're taking over the service. No, the Sunday after. I don't know. It's next Sunday. It's next Sunday. They're going to take over the service. It's exciting. Although they tell me that it's not going to be the entire service. It's just going to be part of the service. I'm not sure how that's going to go down, but we're going to encourage them nonetheless. Hey. Last week. So welcome to the visitors tonight. I'll, we'll do a bit of a recap. Oh, yeah, <laughs> a bit of a recap. So last week, does anyone remember that was here? The parable that we looked at. Jesus talked about the parable that, yeah, of the seed, the, the sower sowing the seed. And what was the seed? In the explanation of the parable, what did Jesus say it was? It was the word. word. It was the word of God, right? And so it would have been wonderful to sit under Jesus' teaching. Could you imagine Jesus coming to your church just mm -hmm. preaching a message? It would be amazing, you know? He preached messages like there was this farmer and he sowed some seed. Some of the seed fell on that bit. Some of the seed fell on that bit, and that's what happened. Some of the seed fell over there, and that's what happened. And some of the seed fell over there. Well, that's what happened. If you understand it, you understand it. And he walked away. That's how Jesus preached. If you wanted to listen, you would listen. If you didn't get it, you just didn't get it. And uh, so, um, Can You Hear Me Now is the title of the series that we're looking at. Can You Hear Me Now? Now, um, sometimes you can be phoning up someone and they can't hear you. And they say those words. Can you hear me now? And they say yes. And so then you know you can carry on. Thank you, Jono, for responding when I asked the question. Can you hear me now? And if they don't say anything in response, then just keep saying, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? How about now? Can you hear me now? Yes. And, and then you hang up. And, yeah, thank you. Thank you. And so sometimes I, I think that God is trying to call us every single day in this Bible saying, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? You know? So today's me tonight's message is, uh, you won't see it up there, but it's called You Are What You Eat. You are what you eat. Has, has anyone been told that this year so far by somebody? Mm. You are what you eat. What does it mean? What does it mean? In my childhood, <laughs> I'm, I'm praying for Sonia because she deals with me every day, but I don't eat human beings, but I'm a human being. What does that saying mean? You are what you eat. I'm a human being, but I don't eat them. What does it mean? What does it mean? Well, I'm going to have a go. I'm going to have a go tonight at what it means. I think it means something like this. In my old, older age, I found that my body responds differently to something called gluten. And so if I eat gluten, which I actually have the last week or so, I've actually had some gluten, just to try this out, and it does work. <laughs> it has an effect on my body. It it. it it manifests in some way. Once I internalise the gluten, it manifests itself in, in, in either either wanting to make me feel like I'm going to let it out one end or the other end, and I'm not sure which, or I just get itchy all over my back and my head, just get itchy. Um, and and I can tell when I've eaten gluten. I can tell that. Uh, sometimes with sugar as well, I can tell that as well. Um and, and sometimes uh, sometimes what, what 
you eat, what you internalize has an effect on you. Um, sportsmen, sports players, sportswomen, um, when they eat proper food, they eat the food for what? For energy. They have to go on a special diet, a lot of them, protein-rich diets, so that they can actually produce energy from that food. If they didn't eat that food, they wouldn't have that energy. They are what they eat. Let's take this analogy to another level. What about alcohol? Yes, we're Wesleyans, but we're talking about alcohol. If you have alcohol, and I've had it before, and I've had too much, I know what it means to have too much alcohol. I'm not sure if everyone here knows how, how that feels, but it certainly affects how you behave. It certainly affects how you speak. It affects your choice-making, your decision-making, whether you realise it or not. And it also affects your... Your balance, your equilibrium. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It affects, and it affects you the next day. But there is an effect that this alcohol has on your body. Now, I could put a, I could put a big bottle, the biggest bottle of rum I could ever find. I put it there on the table, and I can look at it, and it won't have an effect. It only has an effect when I put it in me, right? What about? Let's take this even to another level. You are what you eat. You are what you drink. You are what you look at. You are what you look at. Sci sci not scientists, um, forensic scientists, criminal criminologists would say as they study the psych psychiatric um, makeup of uh, serial killers and murderers uh, and, and some of the crimes that have been committed in history, they will look at the person who's committed the crime and look back at what they've looked at or read about or listened to. And it, it affected their actions and their poor decisions and their horrible crimes. Some kids even um, playing computer games, you know, they can be playing these computer games where there's absolutely no respect for human human life. And and we just we just watched the news of, of uh, high school shootings and and bomb bombings and suicide bombings and and vehicles running down other people, just willy nilly callous acts because what they've been watching is what they've become. You are what you eat. I think that's what that means. Or maybe I've taken it a bit too far. But Jeremiah, the prophet in the Old Testament, he says this to God. He says, when your words came, I ate them. He's talking about God's words. When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. For I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. He ate God's word and he shared it with God's people. Another prophet, Ezekiel, uh, there's a, there's a part where God actually brings Ezekiel a little tiny scroll and says, eat it. And Ezekiel eats the scroll and he begins to speak the message that God has given him to, to Israel, to the people. He was eating and he became what he ate. I wonder if you are reading your Bibles and it's having an effect on you. I wonder if it's having an effect on your life, your reactions, your behavior, your balance, <laughs> your walking balance. I wonder if it's having an effect on the way that you view others, other human beings. Eating, after all, is just internalizing something. It's bringing nutrients to your body. It's essential for a healthy life. But do you know what's more important than eating? If you were on a desert island and you had some food with you, that's great. But if you ain't got no water, you're going to die soon. 
You need water. Your body needs water way more than it needs food. You ever been to like McDonald's or KFC and it's almost like, you know, what do we do before we eat us Christians? What do we do? We say, thank you, Lord, for this good food. You know, <laughs> sometimes you look at some of the food that we put in our bodies. It's like, Lord, please squeeze some nutrients out of this and just make it healthy. Just do a miracle. You did it with, uh, you know, we turned water into wine, turn this hamburger into roast pork with, you know, fresh vegetables, please. Just do something amazing. Uh, but yeah, food, we internalize it. It's good for us, but without water, um, we, we will die. We will die. Essentially, eating is taking what's valuable for your life out of what you internalize through your mouth. Uh, okay, so let's go back to the water thing. Right, food. Jesus said that, that every word that comes from God's mouth is, is like food. You know, when he was being tempted by the devil, he said, man cannot live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Okay, it's good food, it's good food. But what's more important than food to keep you alive? Water, naturally, it's water. Jesus spoke a lot about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is, a, is symbolized a lot in the Bible as water, right? Now, I'm gonna say something quite, I don't know, it could be affronting, but I would rather have the Holy Spirit leading my life than this book. If you find that a shock, you need to check your theology. Before this book ever came into being, God created the universe using his Holy Spirit. He's the spirit of truth who guides us in all truth. He will use his book. I mean, he's the author of the book, for goodness sake. Let's not throw it away, but let's have the priority in the right order. You can read from Genesis to Revelation. You can understand all of the different ologies in this. You, you know, your soteriology, your your eschatology, your whatever ologies there are, you can read every single verse and memorize things as much as you possibly can. I don't know how you can do that, but you could do that and miss God speaking to you. You know, Jesus said one day to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures that you think in them you'll find life. But here I am standing right in front of you and you miss me, you know. It's good food, but water is way more important. So when we come to the Bible... We make sure we ask the Holy Spirit to teach us, to open it to us. So it's his sword, right? It's not your sword, it's his sword. Ephesians 5, 17, it's the sword of the Spirit. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. Be careful what you eat. You are what you eat. We'd like to suggest for the Christian that you are what you internalise. In other words, through your eyes, Whatever you listen, you know that old song that we sang as Christians, kids? Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Yeah, Colin's version, yeah. And big kids too. Big kids too. We have to be careful what we're actually ingesting into our lives. What are we ingesting into our lives? Who's speaking into our life more than anything? What, what has our attention Jesus shared that parable of the soils, right? The farmer and the sower sowing the seed. There are four different soils and each one of them heard the word of God. But each one of them responded differently to what they did with hearing the word of God. All right. Now James says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God requires. 
Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. The believer must be quick to listen. (coughs) Quick to listen. This is a message for our society because in our social networking and social media, everyone is quick to speak. And, and quick to speak and slow to listen. We're quick to anger. We're quick. We're, we, we turn this, this scripture backwards. Instead of being slow to, um, slow to speak and, and slow to become angry, we're quick to speak, quick to become angry, and we're slow to listen. James says that's, that's wrong. We shouldn't be like that. Why? because it doesn't produce the righteous life that God requires of us. So what does? If anger does not produce the righteousness that God requires, then what does? How do you live a life that God requires, like a life that God would be happy with? In this context, I would probably say listening. It says, humbly accept the word planted in you, the gospel that you received which was to further your Christian growth. Humbly accept that word planted in you. It's so good as believers just to hear the gospel again, isn't it? Just to be reminded like that song we sang, This I Believe. Just to, just to hear yourself singing it over again. This is what I believe. Oh my goodness, do I really believe that? Yes, I do. Yes, that's true. Yep, I remember the day when I first accepted Christ and it's still relevant today. Thank you, Lord. Humbly, humbly accept the word planted in you. Planted is a Greek word. Obviously, they're all Greek words, but we just translate them into English. And it's, a, and it's a word that means implanted, ingested, internalized, and innate. And to be receiving it, how do we receive that word? Humbly, James says. And humbly is, uh, is meekness, but it's gentle strength. And to accept it, he says, Humbly accept the word planted in you. You know how you accept the word? I don't know. Did anyone, did anyone get excited when, when Jono shared the scripture verse before? Did anyone? No, you didn't. No one did. Did anyone get excited, Jono? You did. Yeah, it's good scripture. It's good. See, I don't think, I don't think any of us did. And I think that's where we, we kind of go, oh... We get it wrong as believers, I think, in churches because we wait for the guy who's had an experience, who's done the study, and we think that's exciting. Hopefully you do anyway. Thank you very much. But when someone just reads the plain word of God, we kind of go, yeah, I don't get catch up. I've heard that before. Yeah, I know, that. I know what they're talking about. You know, we don't get excited. We don't get excited. This word in Greek that says accept or receive the word of God, it actually means to welcome like a guest. Welcome in such a way that you would welcome this person into your life and say, oh, you know what, this, this person's going to come to my home, I'm going to make sure I've got this out and this out and it's floor, the floor's vacuum, I'm ready to go. Now, I've heard of some churches where you have to stand up when the, when the Bible reading is done. I like that in a way because it means that everyone is kind of thinking about this is, this is something we need to revere. This is something we need to revere. This is the word of God. God can speak to me in this scripture reading. Even if I can't hang around for the sermon, I'm going to get something out of this scripture reading. That's the sort of attitude James is saying here. 
He says, so receive the word God has planted in you. Why? Because it can save you. It can save you. This word sozo is the word for save, and it means like not just save you for, 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 for eternity. It, it means now. It means heal you. It means preserve you, rescue you out of danger and into safety. It's the word of God that has power to continually deliver us. Anyone know what Hebrews 4.12 is off the top of their heads? I know, I'm not good with numbers either, but if I start you off, you'll be able to finish it. The word of God is living and it's than any sword. That's right. Dividing, penetrating and dividing, soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Yeah, something about thoughts and attitudes. That's great. You know, it's great. We need to get into the word and let the word get into us. You know that scripture, uh, uh, Hebrews um, 4, 12. I've got it here. Uh, it says God, uh, this is the message. This is how the message puts it. God means what he says. What he says goes. His powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything whether doubt or defence, laying us open to listen and obey. Nothing and no one is impervious to God's word. We can't get away from it, no matter what. So we must listen to God's word, says the writer to the Hebrews, and obey it. Have you ever looked at that scripture and thought, the word of God is like a double-edged sword? I know I have. Look at the scripture again. It's not like a double-edged sword. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. And if I look at what Jesus said about the word, and in fact, I think some other people might have said the word is like a seed as well. But think about seeds. There's a lot of power in a seed. You ever walked along the footpath and seen roots from a tree splitting concrete? Ever tried to split concrete with a sword? Can't do it. Some, some buildings fall over because of roots from trees. Over time, this one little seed has so much power to do so much. I want you to read Hebrews 4.12 again and think about the word of God as a seed, sharper than any double-edged sword, dividing, going deeper, penetrating. It's alive. It's active. We've got to listen to the word and receive it with open arms and open hearts. But we can't just stop there. We've got time. Not only to listen, says James. You can't just listen to the word. Just listening to the word means that you are deceiving yourself. You're just growing fat. <laughs> fat with a PH. You know what philosophical means? It starts with a PH. Philosophical means relating to or devoted to the study of the fundamental nature of knowledge Reality and existence. Wow, there's some big words there. But it's saying that it's all about what's in between your ears. It's what you can understand and it's head knowledge and it's great to learn. I mean, I, I've met some fat Christians, P-H-A-T, philosophically fat, right? Fat Christians, they go to conferences. They just can't wait to learn more about God. They just can't wait to learn more about the scriptures and how to share the gospel in 
six easy steps and how to share your faith with your unsaved relatives or this is what James is really talking about when he's doing this and this and this. Oh, I just love learning more and more and more and I get bigger and I get bigger and my knowledge gets bigger and my knowledge gets bigger. And you go and talk to those people, some of them, and you say, when was the last time you led someone to Jesus? And all you hear are crickets chirping in the background. Like listening to the word is amazing. Learning from Jesus is amazing. But if we're not actually acting it out, we just get fat with knowledge, with philosophy. Fat Christians like being fed. They wait to be fed for the one from the one who has had the experience. They come, they go to church. They don't come to this church. They go to church and they wait till the guy or the lady up the front shares their knowledge and experience of God's word, and they go, "Oh yeah, that's good. I like that. I like that. I don't like that. I won't write that down. I like that and that and that. That's good for me." And off they go. Say to yourself every time you read your Bible, what is God saying to me? Or, God, what are you trying to say to me? What is God trying to communicate to me today as I read from Leviticus or from Genesis or something? I don't want secondhand food today, God, from somebody else. I want straight from your mouth. James 1 verse 23 to 24, he says, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Mirrors, they tell the truth. <laughs> Sometimes I pick up my phone and Sonia gets me to take a photo of something or the kids ask me to take a photo of something and all of a sudden I get the shock of my life. Someone's had my phone on selfie and all I can see is my ugly mug in the, in the on the screen of the photo. Anyone ever done that on the screen of the camera? And you're like, ah, that's what you look like. <laughs> you can't change it. I'm sorry, you're looking at me right now. I think you guys look great. But if I was you looking at me, I'd be going, ah. Mirrors tell the truth. Your mirror tells you the truth. It will always tell you the truth. And the mirror will perfectly reflect the truth about the person looking into it. Sometimes I look into this Bible and I go, wow, is that really what I look like, God? Like, is that really what I look like? Do I need to change that about my attitude? <laughs> am I that impatient? Am, am I that lacking in prayer? Do I have that amount of faith? Oh my goodness, I thought I was better than that. You know, And we should be reading the Bible like that, using it as kind of like a mirror where you can, you can look and say, God, God, tell me the truth, please. You have permission to tell me the truth. You don't have permission to tell me how I look. Sonia does, and maybe Anna and some of the kids. Micah probably. Yeah, Isaac as well. No, none of you. I, I won't. You can tell me, but I won't listen. Speaking about listening, read it. Listen to it, but don't just leave it at that. Psalm 119, verse 17 and 18, the writer says this. He says, be good to your... Oh, he's talking to God, right? He says, be good to your servant while I live, that I may obey your word. All right, it's about obeying the word. He says, then open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. You know, opening the Bible is one thing, but asking God to open your eyes as you're opening your Bible, you'll see so much more. Open my eyes, God, that I might see wonderful things in my Bible. Do what the word says, what the gospel says. Continually look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, says James. Do it regularly and you will be blessed as you obey it, as you do it. 
you ever led someone to God or, or, or obeyed some passage of Scripture or some teaching of Jesus in some situation and you thought, wow, that actually worked. That was really good. Well, you know what it means to be blessed. You know what James is talking about. You'll be blessed as you do it. Now, I want to ask you a question. What does have your attention? You know, the psalmist writes, open your eye, open my eyes that I might see wonderful things in your, in your law. But what has your attention? If you fill your mind and your heart with God's word, you'll notice him more in your life. If he has your attention, you'll notice him more. Jesus said, Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, I think that means heaven, right? Like you'll see God in heaven. Because no one's, see, no one's ever seen God, all right, except the one and only who came from the Father has seen God, right? No one's ever seen God, but one day we'll see God in heaven. But I think Jesus is saying more than just that. I think he's saying... If your heart is pure, in other words, if I had a glass of water here, here it is. There is nothing else in that apart from, you know, how many hydrogen and oxygen? Hey, two hydrogen and one oxygen, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, pure water in my language. This is pure water. If I put cordial in that, it's not pure water. There's the same amount of water in there, but it's not pure. Why? Because I've added something else. If my heart is pure, it's just my heart. It's, it's just focused on one thing, right? So if I've given Jesus my heart, he has my undivided attention. It's a pure heart. And Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We went to the waterfall at Tarongo Falls. Tarongo Falls? Yeah. And we walked up this um, beautiful track and we saw these uh there's a creek i think they call it a river but it's a creek you victorians that's a creek and it was beautiful we crossed over this bridge and then we walked up a track and we saw this amazing waterfall and it was just cast remember seeing it all the water just flushing down it was just white and beautiful awesome and i thought to myself wow god just didn't have to do that he just did that so that we could just enjoy this like if this wasn't a tourist attraction this is just you know if we were just native Aborigines or something, you know, first off, just seeing this, be like, God just made that for our enjoyment to look at that. It's amazing, you know? But some people go to that waterfall and go, wow, that waterfall is amazing. And don't think about God. Why? Because their heart's not pure towards God. Like a Christian whose heart is pure towards God will see God in everything. They'll be, every sunset, they go, that's an amazing sunset, but I can see God behind it. You know, that's an amazing sunrise, but I can see God behind it. There, those flowers are beautiful, but isn't God amazing that he designed it that way? And it's it's funny because God's at the back behind everything going, hey, 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 hey. And it's just the pure in heart that see God. We bought a Honda when we first came down, didn't we? And I noticed that everyone started copying us. All these Hondas around. Yeah. Um, you can buy a blue car and then you'll notice all of a sudden everyone's following you, buying blue cars. It's not because they're following it's because you just start noticing because your heart is set on blue cars. Your heart is set on Hondas. You notice them. It's the same with God. Same with a pure heart. You begin to notice God. And you know what? A pure heart notices God not just when the sun is setting and, and the beautiful sunrise and the waterfalls. A pure heart notices God when the relationship is having a difficulty or there's a loss in the family. 
or there's 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 trouble with work or finances are stretched and you know or someone contracts some disease or whatever you know the pure in heart notice God in everything and I, I love this story about Mary because um, her heart is focused on Jesus you know the story she's sitting at the feet of Jesus it says in um, Luke 10 as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. Wow, that would be amazing. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to blah, 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 blah. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, that's not in there, I just added that. My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. What did she find out? What did she discover? I think she figured out what you are, what you meet, what you eat means. If I sit at Jesus' feet and listen to every word dripping from his mouth, I will be more like Jesus. I think she understood what that principle is. Where was she looking? Who had her eye? Who had her concentration? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God in every circumstance. The believer looks past the waterfall and sees the creator behind it, past the problem to the Redeemer who can sort things out. I love Psalm 23 because of that, because it says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley or the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's awesome to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, but just to know that the house of the Lord, or the, the God, is dwelling with me now in what I'm going through, the valley of the shadow of death, whatever it is. I want to be one of these people that hear the word, internalize the word, and do the word, because I want to be blessed. That's what James is saying. Can you see a progression here in James chapter 1? If you've got it, open it up. And let it speak to you because he starts by saying, listening's better. Listening to the word, good. But don't just listen to it, do it. And this is what a life is like that does the word. What is a life like that does the word? If you internalize the word of God in your life, if you feed on his word every day, then you will slowly start to look and behave like him. Ever heard that saying, you become what you worship, or you become more like what you worship? Whatever has your attention tends to govern your plans, your behaviour, your finances, your time. Verse 26, James chapter 1, verse 26, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. 
religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So there's three things I can see in there. The first one is this, I've got to watch what I say. If I'm, if, my, if I'm having trouble with what I say, then I need to let God's word impact me and influence me more than whatever else is. Like, like the alcohol illustration, right? Let it influence you. Let it influence your reaction. Let it influence your, the, the, the words that come out of your mouth, not so much the words that form in the back of your head. Because, fellas, we can sometimes shoot and then ask questions. Just reading the Word of God gives you the ability, if you let it, gives you the ability to, to stop those words forming that are forming in the back of your head that you want to react with in certain situations and gives you the patience and the strength and the wisdom. So watching your mouth, right? Keep a tight rein on your tongue. That's what happens. All right? It's not, it's not about trying harder to keep a tight rein on your tongue. It's about letting the word, letting Jesus teaching, letting James teaching, letting God by his Holy Spirit teach you and minister to you to help you to keep a tight rein on your tongue. The next thing is this. Look after orphans and widows in their distress. Hang on a second. How do I do that? I don't know any orphans or widows. I don't think. Maybe I do. But I'm just going to take it a little bit further. And maybe this is poetic uh, license. Is that what it's called? I'm not sure. But what's an orphan? Someone without parents. All right. There's a lot of people out there that don't know that God is their father. But a lot of people. There's a lot of people that are afraid of catching viruses or getting sick and dying because they don't know their eternal father. They don't know that God has written eternity in their hearts. They don't know that God is a loving father waiting for the prodigals to come home. Look after the fatherless, says James. What about widows? What's a widow? Someone who has no... Thank you. That was an easy one. No husband. Jesus gave this, oh, sorry, um, Paul gives this illustration about marriage, right? We, took, we looked at it at Bible study last week about Jesus being kind of the husband and the church being the wife. You know, there's a lot of people out there that don't realise that the husband is coming to take the wife and there's going to be a whole lot of wives missing out. They're going to be widows, <laughs> in a sense. Keep yourself from being polluted by the world is the next thing, right? You don't need me to teach on that. You know what that means. What's influencing you more, the world or the word? These are two things that Jesus, or these are three things that Jesus was naturally good at. Looking after fathers and widows, keeping a tight rein on his tongue, and keeping himself polluted from the world. Four things, sorry. And if you find yourself struggling with these things, any of them, it shows that maybe just the word has not taken root properly in your heart, or maybe there's just a bit of time that it needs to grow in there. It's there, it's implanted in your heart, but it's just not fertilised to grow. Now, a person who hasn't humbly accepted with a welcome, like a welcoming guest, the word that's planted in them, they find these things awkward. They find, they find caring for people in distress awkward. They find not being polluted by the world, difficult. Why? Because maybe they're just not eating the right food. What are you eating? 
What have you been eating lately? Have you been eating God's word? Have you been internalizing God's word? You know, I'm, I can be busy. Sometimes I can just be like so busy, I forget. You forget. You know, you have your, you have your um, devotions on your phones or in your books and, and you get into the routines of, oh, this is what I need to do. And I open this and can I just suggest that this week we just take a bit more time. If that's, if that's you too, just take a bit more time and just say, okay, God, what are you saying to me in this? And just give him time to say something. And if he doesn't say anything right then and there, what it means is he's probably going to feed you something between the two feedings. Does that make sense? It means it makes sense to some of you that were here a while ago. But Jesus is trying to teach you between weekends. As you go, he's, uh, yeah, he's with you. He's guiding you. He's the word of God. So what are you eating? What has your focus? Do you just need to sit at his feet sometime this week? Or maybe even tonight. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you so much for your word. We just thank you so much for your word. God, I pray that you would give each one of us, every single one of us, even the kids outside too, Father, a hunger for your word. God, there's so many people talking, so many voices in this, in this world talking, giving advice. Lord, we just, want to, we just want your advice. We want heavenly advice. We want you and your kingdom to come, you and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, open our eyes and our ears as we open your word this week, whether it's on a screen or in paper form, or Lord, if it's a memory verse that your Holy Spirit just brings to mind. God, we pray that you would have your way and speak to us. God. We need your word. We need you to speak to us, God, and fill us. Lord, not just to listen and learn, but to actually obey. God, help us to take steps. Help us to have a not just a great diet, but really good exercise program as well. Putting it into practice, God, in our world. Help us, Lord, this week to bring peace and calm to our communities, Lord. To pray for the sick, God. To, to give to those in need, Father God. Help us to have the eyes of Jesus this week and the hands of him as well. And we can't do this without your help. So we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us, God. And as we leave from here, Lord, as we pack things up and, and, and move on, Lord God, may we, may we realize that we are actually moving on with you and that you are using us. You have a job for us to do, to take your word that you've planted in our hearts to the streets and to the people we face. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that will conclude our service, I think, tonight, Dale. Is that correct? Mm -hmm.